As Pastor Mark shared, today is fourth Sunday. It's family uh, worship day, and I am so glad that uh, today we get to spend time, all of us together. As a staff, we've come to the point where we understand that the mission of all churches is found in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, and Acts 1-8, where Jesus said, go make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that he has commanded us, and he's going to be with us till the end of the age. And then Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the other most parts of the world. I added a little bit of Matthew 28 there, didn't I? Okay. Um, but we're still supposed to be his witnesses everywhere we go. And that is the overarching mission of all churches. But what helps make us unique are some building blocks that we stand on. And one of those building blocks that uh, is part of our vision to help us accomplish that mission that makes us unique is this multi-generational congregation. We are so glad that we have people of all ages from the youngest to the most mature here serving, ministering with, and allowing us to minister to you. And we believe that that's part of what makes us unique. Another thing that makes us unique is our mission endeavors. We feel that God has called us to be a proclaiming, a sending, a going church, and that the, the word is not just for us here on Sunday morning, but it is for us to take and go to the world. And the summer has been a very busy time missionally for us. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've completed six backyard Bible clubs. We had over a hundred children enrolled in those backyard Bible clubs across the city where we were able to minister to them. Three-fourths of them are not affiliated with our church, and so we have some open doors there to begin to minister to them. Of course, last week was Vacation Bible School. Hey, kids, how many of y'all were here last week in Vacation Bible School? All right, a bunch of y'all. Remember, we talked about being submerged. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. How many of you worked last week in VBS? You can tell by their almost hands going like this. Uh, thank you, Miss Wendy, Miss Janelle, and leaders for leading out last week. We were able to accomplish great things and share the gospel with so many children because of your endeavors. Uh, we also have got two uh, mission trips under our belts. We've been to Smith Center, and our students went to Louisville. We have two more to go a week from today. Uh, there will be three of us that will be heading to Winnipeg to work with one of our partners up there. And one of the neat things about the trip this year is while there's only three going from Emmanuel, there's a total of 13 going. We get the opportunity this year, once again, to work with Pastor Todd and some of our friends in Smith Center. This is one of the churches that we helped birth, folks. Six, seven years ago, it was five people in that church. But God has done some great things and has used Pastor Todd in that community. They have grown. And as we have invested time and talent and treasure with them, God has used that and used that ministry to grow them up. And now they are sending people out on mission as well. So that's going to be an exciting time. And for me as a missions pastor, that just thrills my heart to see our little ones grow up and begin to accomplish what God's called them to go. And we've got one more then to go to Whitefish this fall. And, and so it's been a busy time. And of course, we continue our ministry right around this area. So thank you for investing. Thank you for helping us use those building blocks that accomplish our vision, that make us unique in accomplishing God's mission for the church. This morning, I want us to go to the scriptures. And if you've got your Bible with you, whether you've got a hard copy or you've got a tablet or smartphone, 
I want you to join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 17 through 21. As I had shared earlier, last week the theme for VBS was submerged, diving deep into God's Word. And so this morning, for just a few minutes, that's what we want to do. We want to submerge ourselves in God's Word. We want to dive in deep and find the truths that God has for us there today. Over the last several weeks, Pastor has been walking us through John chapter 21. And I don't know about you all, but I have really enjoyed that. That has been an incredible study as we've watched God at work and ministering and that encounter that Jesus had on the seashore with the disciples, especially with Peter. In my opinion, that encounter for Peter was the pinnacle, the life-changing moment for him, where he went from being a fan, somebody that was kind of associated, to being all in. I believe that the world today is looking for Christ followers that are not fans of Jesus, but are all in. The world is wanting to see evidence. We claim to be changed. We claim to have had this encounter with Jesus. But where's that evidence? We know by following Peter through the rest of his life, the rest of his ministry, that that was a pinnacle moment. And from that point where he'd said, I'm all in, he was a changed man. No turning back. He committed to following Jesus. Paul also, very religious man, was out trying to accomplish what he felt was God's call in his life. but on that Damascus road where he had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus set him straight, Paul got up from that and he was never the same. The question I posed this morning is, number one, have you had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ? Has there been a time in your life where you know that you've come to that place where you know that you've received that free gift of eternal life? And if so, are you all in? Have you been changed? And if you've been changed, where are the evidence? Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and this letter, part of what he's having to do is to defend, once again, his ministry. People are beginning to say, you know, Paul, you're really not who you say you are. You know, where's the evidence? Where's the proof? And he's been spending time telling them and explaining to them the evidence. And as he comes into this portion of the letter, he lays out in these verses, I believe, three very substantial truths that were evidence in his life of the change that had taken place and I believe need to be in our lives today. So let's read God's word together this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 beginning with verse 17. It says this, therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold the new has come. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ God was reconciling the world world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We literally could take months to dive through the truths that are found in the scripture, but this morning, I wanted us to look at three things. And as we look at these, I want you to ask yourself, if I claim to be a Christ follower, if I truly claim to have had a personal relationship with Jesus, are these truths evident in my life? 
The first thing we want to look at this morning is this. Change is evident because I am remade. Change is evident because I am remade. Notice verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I don't know about you all, but I look forward to the day I finally get to heaven for a multitude of reasons. One of the big reasons is I will be totally remade. My height and my weight will be in perfect balance, and it will be wonderful, and I will be, this mortal will take on immortality, and I will be totally changed. But also the glory of getting to spend eternity praising my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the incredible work that he's done. As we look at change in our life, as we look at encountering Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, here and now, today, have we been remade? The, the, as the writer was writing here, the concept that he is portraying in this verse is that of metamorphosis. Everybody know what metamorphosis is? How many of you all have ever watched a caterpillar kind of begin to eat and chew and then get into a cocoon and then after a while bust out as a, as a butterfly? Anybody been able to see that? That's metamorphosis. That is the change that Paul's talking about here. He says, if any man be in Christ, he is completely changed. It's nothing that we can do. It's nothing that we can bring on ourselves, but it is totally and completely about the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. Jesus brings about that change. He takes my old self which the Bible says was dead in trespasses and sin. When I look at myself before Christ, I was dead. No life in me, spiritually. Remember in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus went to Jesus and he said, Master, what do I need to do to receive eternal life? And remember what Jesus said? You need to be born again. And immediately Nicodemus began to go, okay, what do I have to do? You know, I, can I reenter into my mother's womb? And he was all messed up in the thought process. And Jesus said, no, you have to come just the way you are. You have to bring your brokenness, your sinfulness, and you've got to lay it at my feet. And then I will make you brand new. I will bring life to you. I will put in you a heart that is a spiritual heart. I will put in you a new mind. We have been transformed not only through a new spiritual heart, but we receive a new spiritual mind. And notice what else the scripture says there. It's in Christ, but it is complete. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Folks, I am not the person I was before Christ. Because of Christ's work, I'm brand new. He has made me brand new, and he is completely and totally changing me. You want to know if you're a true follower of Christ? What do you think about during the day? What are your desires? Do you desire to be in the Word of God? When you get up in the morning and you go through your routine, is there an urging within you to go to God's Word and dig in and find out what He has to say? Is there an urging or an urgency within you to spend time in prayer with Him? 
Is there a desire that when Sunday rolls around, the only thing you can think about is getting up and getting down here to spend time with your brothers and sisters in Christ, praising God, lifting him up, exalting him, hearing a word from him, and then going out to be life changers in the world? If we've encountered Christ, we are new. We've been changed. And the thing of it is, folks, it can't be a partial change. We can't come to Christ and say, okay, God, here's the deal. I'm going to make you a deal. I will accept eternal life in exchange for being partially good. I will accept your gift of eternal life in exchange for doing some of the things you asked me to do. The word says when we become Christians, we become indebted to him. We can't earn salvation. We can't work our way into heaven. But once we come to Christ and we are changed, our desire should be, what can I do to say thank you to the one who saved me? What can I do to honor him and to lift him up? We need to make sure that our life is an example of a changed life. Notice not only does it have to come in Christ and it's a complete change, but Here's the good news. It's continual. While salvation is a one-time event, it happens once. When that transformation takes place, the Scripture says, beginning then, we are babes in Christ. We are brand new. We're a brand new creation. And God takes us and helps us grow. And the Scriptures call that the process of sanctification. Each and every day that I live, each and every day that I walk with him, he is in the process of continuing that change and continuing to make me more and more like him. I'm not the person I used to be, but praise God, I'm not the person I'm going to be. God is still at work. He is still in that process of remaking me. How about you? This morning, has that process begun in your life? Have you had that encounter with Jesus? If not, in a little while, we're going to give you an opportunity to make that decision. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond to God's call in your life to be made a brand new creation. If we've accepted that call, there should be evidence in our life. Notice the second thing the Scripture tells us. Change is evidence because I have been retasked. You know, a lot of times when a uh, business is bought out or there's a, a changeover in leadership, many of the people within the company get retasked. They get assigned new jobs. When we come to Christ... We get retasked. Notice what the scripture says, verse 18. All of this is from God. Once again, reminder, just in case you forgot who's in charge here, all of this is from God. Who through Christ, Christ is the one who paid for it, reconciled us to himself. God has done what nothing else could do. 
We are broken. We are enemies of the cross, but through Christ, God is reconciling us. He is bringing us back into a right relationship with him. That is, verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. We are retasked in our call. How many of you have ever asked this question, what is God's will for my life? And the rest of you are liars, right? I believe we've all wondered, what is God's will for my life? You know, I've asked that very same question, but guess what? I think I finally figured it out. God's will in my life is the same for your, his will in your life. And some of y'all are going, I don't know about that. It's true. Here's God's will for our life. Once we come to that relationship with him, we are his messengers. His will for our life as Christ followers are simply to be on mission with him. The good news is your mission may not look exactly like my mission. He may not lead you to do exactly what he's led me to do. He's not going to use me to do exactly what he's going to use you to do. But the good news is we are all on mission for him. That's his will for our life. Once we come to know him, he calls us. He says, come join me in what I am doing. Do you all realize that God is continually at work in every place across this world this morning God is working he's working in the lives of people we've yet to meet he's working in some of your lives this morning he's beginning to speak to you and saying I want you to hear this message of reconciliation because I want to draw you into my family He's working in people's lives. He's ministering to them. And he says, come join me. I want you. I need you. I don't know about you all, but that is just more than I can wrap my brain around. You know, if, if I would have been God, I wouldn't have trusted the message of reconciliation to me. Because I know me. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to fall down. I'm not always going to have my eyes open. I'm not always going to have my ears open. My heart is not always going to beat in tune with God. But he said, in spite of that, guess what? You're my agents. I'm calling you. Come join me. And you want to know something, folks? The world is hungry to hear that message today. Do not fall for the lie of Satan that we cannot share the gospel today and people do not want to hear. There are people that are dying to hear the good news that Jesus loves them and wants to change them. We need to get over ourselves. We need to get over who we think we are and our limitations. And we need to understand that we have a call, a divine call to join God on mission. We're retasked not only in our call, but also look at this. We're retasked in our commission. Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
God making his appeal through us. Let me see if I can help illustrate this here for just a second. In Paul's day, as he was writing, most of the people knew what an ambassador was. How many of y'all know what an ambassador is? Kids, how many of y'all know what an ambassador is? Okay, some of you do, some of you don't. An ambassador simply is a messenger for the king. The ambassador was somebody who would take a message that the king wrote up and designed and brought together and says, now go share it with everybody that you come in contact. And the ambassador would go out and he would share that message. Sometimes the ambassador had the privilege of sharing a message of good news, something that the king was going to do good for the people in his kingdom. Sometimes it was a warning, like straighten up or else. Sometimes it was like, you didn't straighten up, so here's the or else, and they declare that message to the people. God has made us his ambassadors. I've used this illustration before, but let me share it again this morning because I think it just ties this up nicely. When our kids were little, about a block and a half from our house was this beautiful incredible wide open field in that field there were some little hills and there was a creek that ran through it and and the kids could go over there and gather as the community and they could have fun uh in that field there was a creek that ran through it and they could hide down in there they could have all kinds of imaginary uh battles they could they could build forts and, and just have a great time and it was a great place and if we were ever looking for our kids everybody in the community knew to go look in the field first because that's probably where they were playing. I remember one evening in spring, it got to be supper time, and uh, it was time for Josh to come in. And I looked at Becca, and I said, Beck, go get your brother and Tom to come home for dinner. So she jumped on her bike and rode down to the field. And just a few minutes later, I heard quite a commotion coming down the street. Um, there was a lot of tears, uh, a lot of just I was afraid what I was going to find when I walked out. So I walked out, and I go, Becca, are you okay? Yes. Uh, are you hurt? No. Why are you crying? Josh said he was going to hurt me, and I'm not his boss, and I can't tell him what to do. Okay. I get it, but... All right, Becca, here's the deal. Go back, find your brother, and tell him to come home for supper. Mm -mm. Why not? Because he said if I came back, he was really going to hurt me this time and that it wasn't going to be pretty. Becca, look at me. You go find Josh. And here's the message. Listen. You go find him and you look him in the eye and you say, Josh, daddy said come home now for dinner. And here's the second part of the message. After you tell him that, look him in the eye and say, and also, Daddy said, if you make me cry, he's going to make you cry when you get home. Okay, I can deliver that message. Off she went. Not a minute and a half later, here comes Josh running full tilt down the road as fast as he could. 
And he comes running into the house and he goes, I didn't make her cry. I didn't make her cry. I didn't make her cry. I said, go watch up. I'll deal with you later. Becca comes pedaling down the street. I go, Becca, what? What happened? Well, Daddy, you gave me a message. I go, yes, I did. So what was the message I gave you? You said to tell Josh that Daddy said to come home for supper now, right? And what else? And that if he hurt me and made me cry, you were going to hurt him and make him cry. Right? She goes, and I added a little bit of my own. I go, really? What did you say? I looked at him and said, you better hurry because I feel like crying. (laughs) Being an ambassador is simply the kid taking the message of the father. The incredible good news this morning, folks, is that we are ambassadors for Christ. Our Heavenly Father has proclaimed a message to the world. And this message is, I love you. And I love you so much that I gave my one and only son to die in your place so that we can be reconciled. And he looks at us who are believers, and he said, my children, go share my story. Children, go tell my message. Children, proclaim my word. And folks, that should free us up incredibly. Why do we worry? It's not my message. If somebody gets upset and wants to do something, okay. I'm just a messenger. God's word says, be reconciled. And I'm just here to tell you how you can do it today. How are you doing in that that ministry? How are you doing at following that call? Notice the third thing under being retasked. Not only do we have that call to respond to, we need to come to grips with the fact that we're ambassadors. We need to proclaim the message. But notice something else. If we've truly been changed, it's going to be evidenced in our compassion. Notice the last part of verse 20. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Paul is saying to that church at Corinth, to all who would read that letter and to us today, I beg you, we beg you, we plead with you, be reconciled to Christ. You know, part of my job is to lead our church in sharing our story. And I love that, but I also fear that. You want to know why? I have to set the example. And some days, I do not feel very compassionate towards lost people. There are days that I look at people and just go, "Mm, get out of here. Don't look at me like that. Tell me you haven't had some of those same feelings. But folks, there's other days that God breaks my heart. As I look out and I see people that are wandering about hopeless, not knowing what's next. Paul's saying, as Christ followers, 
if we've truly encountered Jesus, there's going to be a passion that will well up inside of us that cannot be silenced. We will look at our family and go, I want them to know the good news. We'll look at our friends and go, they need to hear this truth. Because if they do not hear it and they do not respond to it and they die without an encounter with Christ, they will spend eternity separated in hell. We've lost that reality, I'm afraid, today. We've lost the reality that if people do not respond to Christ, they are eternally doomed. When was the last time you walked up and down your street and your heart just broke for your neighbors? When was the last time you went to work and you looked at those around you and said, I need to know where they stand with God? You see, we are all ambassadors. It doesn't matter how young or how old. Our call is to proclaim the good news. Kids, this morning, you're in here. And the good news is God's called you to be ambassadors. God has called you to tell your friends about what he's doing in your life. Students, a fearful reminder, in just a few short days, you get to go back to school. And all the students go boo, and all the parents go yay. But you get to go back as ambassadors. See, your job isn't just to go to school and get an education. Your job is to be on mission with God. Folks, God's doing some incredible things with our college-age students. He is raising up a new group of college students that have the potential to turn our city upside down. So college students, remember, as you walk back on campus this fall, you're not there just to get an education, but God has placed you on that campus to be on mission with him. Adults, where are you? When was the last time you bridged out to try to develop a relationship with a neighbor? When was the last time you met a simple need of a coworker so that you could earn the right to say, God's making a difference in my life and he can make a difference in yours? These people are not projects, but they should be passions of our heart. Our hearts should break knowing that there are people around us that might slip into eternity without knowing Jesus. And folks, I'm afraid to say today that the church in America has lost that first love. We're so busy doing so much stuff. There are so many things that have taken the rightful place of God and have taken first place in our life. We put so much emphasis on where we're going to live and the cars that we're going to drive and the jobs that we're going to get and where we're going to be and what we're going to do that we forget this call. God said, come, be my messengers, be my ambassadors, and we are to implore, we are to beg. If we've had an encounter with Christ, it should be evident in our task. 
Thirdly, change is evident because I'm repositioned. Notice what verse 21 is. I don't know about you all, but sometimes, you know, when you get in the habit of studying a passage, you'll, you'll read through some of the familiar verses, and you'll read through some things that you're really familiar with and you really like, and, and you'll kind of gloss over it. I've got to admit that verse 21 was one of those verses I kept doing high flyovers. But as I was studying and, and, and as I was preparing for today, verse 21 jumped off the pages. Listen to what it says. For our sake, God, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That verse is so powerful. It is so incredible that God, when he made the world and in its original perfect state, encountered Adam and Eve and spent time fellowshipping with them. But because they chose to do things their way instead of God's way. When they thought they knew better than God, and they said, you know what? We understand what you're saying, God, but we choose to do this. And sin entered in. God could at that very moment said, I'm done. He could have closed the pages right then. He could have let time go on but not offer any plan of redemption. But folks, the good news is that God had a plan from before the world was formed. When he made the world as perfect as he was, he knew that his creation would mess it up and he was going to have to redeem it, buy it back to himself. And he said, I'll do it for our sake. Because he loved us so much, he had that plan in place. And he poured out on Jesus everything that was rightfully mine and rightfully yours. Jesus didn't deserve the punishment he went through. Jesus had done nothing to earn that punishment. But out of love, he said, I'll do it. Let's say this represents me, my life. And this represents a record book of my life. On the front page is my birth certificate. On the back page is my death certificate. And everything in between is the record, the infractions I have against God. Scripture says that God loves me, and he desires to have a relationship with me. But there's something that stands between me and God. You see what it is? It's not something on his side. It's on my side. My sin stands between me and God. He desires that relationship. He desires that fellowship with us, but he can't have it because of sin. You know, I think a lot of times we come to that point and we go, you know what? I messed up. I'm broken. And we begin to realize that. 
And we say, okay, God, I, I want a relationship with you. So here's what I'm going to do. God, I'm going to make me better. I'm going to turn my life around. God says, still a problem. We go, okay, God, maybe I can't turn my life around, but I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Still there. Isaiah 53, 6. Let me back up. First chapter of John said, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And Jesus became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we, the world, beheld the glory of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. Jesus left heaven, a position that was rightfully his, took on a human form. But in that human form, he lived a sinless life. At no point did sin ever enter into him. At no point did he ever do anything that separated him from God because he is God. Isaiah 53, 6 says this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But God has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. When Jesus went to the cross, he didn't go there because he deserved it. He didn't go there to pay the penalty for his transgression. You know what put him on the cross? I did. You know what put him on the cross? You did. Our sin put Christ on the cross because God had to have payment for that sin. As Jesus hung there and as he died and as he gave his blood, he was paying the penalty for what separated me from God. His final word on the cross was a little Greek word, tetelestai. And that simply means it is finished. The debt is paid in full. As Jesus hung there, as he took his last breath, the debt was paid in full. Jesus was buried. But here's the good news. Three days later, he rose again victorious over sin and death and hell. And guess what, folks? Because of that, I now can have a relationship with God. My sin has been paid for. I have been repented, re repositioned. No longer am I an enemy of the cross. Now I am a friend of the cross. Do you read what verse 21 says? For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin in our place. So what? We could become the righteousness of God. Folks, as Christ followers who've encountered the one and only true Jesus Christ, I now can stand before God, not on my merit, not in my own power, but in the righteousness of God himself. If that doesn't motivate you to go and proclaim the message, there may be a question of have I been changed? 
So here's the questions for us this morning. As we come to a time, every time God's word is proclaimed, there has to be a response. As we hear the truth from God's word, we have to respond to that truth. We need to either choose to accept the truth of God's word and begin to align ourselves with that, or we choose to reject it. So this morning, as you said here, or maybe as you're listening to us via the stream or later on on demand, here's the question. Will you allow God? I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way back up. Will you allow God to reposition you today? Would you just come to grips with the fact that without a relationship with Christ, your sin separates you from him? And there's nothing you can do to change that. But the good news is this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God wants to reconcile you to himself today. Will you allow him to reposition you? Will you come to that place where you say, God, I am broken. I messed up. And I can't change it. But God, here's my brokenness. Here's my sinfulness. God, take me just the way I am and make me brand new. Will you allow him to remake you? Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Would you accept that this morning? Would you accept the fact that he loves you and that he's calling you to come and be reconciled to him? Our pastors are going to be here in just a moment, and they would love to sit down with you and share with you how you can get that settled today. Those of us here this morning that claim to have been changed and to be Christ followers, how's that retasking going? How are you responding to God's call in your life? What kind of ambassador are you today? Are you passionate about those around you that are lost? Are you looking for ways to build relationships so that you can share the good news? Our story of his story? This morning as we come to the invitation, we implore you to be reconciled to God. If you need to have a first encounter with him, come, let us share with you that. If you've had that encounter, but you've kind of gotten away from that passion, being that ambassador, maybe you just need to come and you need to kneel here this morning and just go, God, forgive me. Restore in me a passion. Restore in me that compulsion to be your ambassador. Maybe you've been on mission and maybe you are being an ambassador and there's somebody that, that, that you're building a relationship with and maybe this morning you just want to come and you just want to lift that person up before the Father here at the altar. We invite you to do that. Christian, if it's been a while, 
would you take a moment even this morning just to go, God, thank you that I'm repositioned. Thank you that my sin is gone. And I now can stand before you clothed not in my righteousness, but in your righteousness. Let's pray.